Hi, welcome back again to China Manufacturing Decoded, the podcast from the Sophist Group. Adrian here hosting today, and I'm joined by Andrew, our head of compliance, safety and reliability here in the group. Hi, Andrew. Welcome back. Hello, Adrian. Good to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. 2024. Can't believe how fast it's all going by already. Oh my God. Yeah, you're so right. Today's topic is understanding ESD, electrostatic discharge. And this is going to be a really good one for anyone who's interested in producing electronic products, of course, because this is particularly relevant to those types of products. So, Andrew, as someone that is regularly working with our customers who are producing electronics, I guess ESD is something that you do need to discuss with them. Uh, yeah, that, that's correct. You know, Adrian, the, the ESD is so important that uh, I think that, you know, there are some people that may actually not realize how important this is. They, it impacts not only your electronics in terms of functionality, reliability, quality, and, and but but really it impacts your financial, it impacts your customers, it impacts your manufacturing goals and yields. I mean, it affects a whole bunch of areas and it might even affect, for example, your manufacturing ISO 9000 basically registration and approval so yeah it, it cuts deep so it's an important topic great well it looks like we've got a good one today then and i'm sure the listeners listening are thinking oh if it's important right got to take some notes and we're going to go through esd basically all the way from what is it through to the types of testing that can be done the problems that it causes and at, I think a key point is how to prevent it as well, and lots more besides. So if we get started then, the big question, what is ESD? Well, ESD in a nutshell is, is really like uh, basically static electricity. You know, that little zap you get when you touch somebody while mm -hmm. you're on a carpet or... I think the natural phenomenon is the thunderstorms. You know, you see the light coming down and touching the ground. That's basically one huge zap. And really, there's one main ESD type that that is known, but how you test it might be different kinds or different ways. Right, right. And of course, where electronics are concerned, this is not something that you want you know, occurring within or, or touching your electronic devices if you can avoid it. Absolutely. I mean, depends on what kind of electronics you have, but if you got ICs and the sensitive digital electronics and or electronics that for some reason or another did not have any kind of protection designed into high voltage, even though the current level is low, the high voltage can actually cause a huge disruption, perhaps burn or melt your internal electronics. At, mm. at the best situation, it might actually cause minor damages that you won't know or might be intermittent until you've shipped the product. Mm. 
Right. And as soon as you say that, I'm thinking, well, product reliability, once again, this is something that needs to be paid attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, mm. and that's one thing that we always do when we do reliability for our products. We make sure that they are passing the ESD right before we've uh, completed our reliability and, and design uh, process. Mm. Interesting. Because you know, I think probably most people's products, if you're, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, okay, I'm making a product, but lightning is not going to hit my product. So, you know, it's probably not going to be affected like maybe an airplane that could be struck by lightning, but actually natural ESD like lightning and ESD that could affect an electronic device. There is a link there because although your device not, might not be hit by lightning, it may still get affected by ESD. And I think you're going to go into that, aren't you? Yeah, we will. And, and you know, there are a lot of people that, for example, have been zapped by a huge lightning that went through their TV and actually burned their TV. Some of those old digital TVs didn't have protection. And you had to actually buy ESD control. I don't know if you remember breakers and switch breakers and, 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 and some kind of a, what do we mm. call it? plugging your TV through this protective element. We don't do that anymore. Most of the time, you know what I'm talking about, right? Not really, Andrew. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it might be a bit before even my time and I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, I'm talking about like, for example, yeah, that's that's true, actually. These things are, are getting a lot more modern now. But in the olden days, you mm. you did have to have, you know, a separate unit that you have to plug that into right. the wall and then this uh, protective element would, would, would break and burn in case, or the fuse would blow and right. then uh, your TV wouldn't burn. So you have to plug in your, your TV through that. Uh, yeah, cause you, you've got an aerial on the roof and that's basically yes, uh, exactly. working as a lightning conductor. Exactly. But then sometimes, you know, if the wiring in the house is not well grounded, mm. good. Some of the appliances within the house, TVs and some other uh, items could actually get zapped by by the traveling, you know, okay. uh, voltage through the house. So it could happen. Um, okay. Yeah, so, I don't think anybody really thinks about that these days. Maybe maybe modern appliances are kind of protected against that. Absolutely, absolutely. And and we'll get to that, you know, how, okay. uh, how to prevent the, some of the prevention elements of the ESD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so at this point, you've explained what ESD is, and we've also kind of discussed about some of the things that we want to be avoiding, such as the damage to various appliances. So the next port of call here then is to talk about testing, because we want to, we want to make sure that our devices are resilient to forms of ESD. And so the way to do that is through testing, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's what I was uh, referring to earlier about different ESDs. There's, there are really three different types of ESD testing so that we can actually recognize that, you know, the product that we're building is protected against ESD. One that's the most common is called human body model, HBM. This Types type of testing simulates the discharge from a human body to an electronic device. So 
This is really a good test because all you need to do is hold a device in your hand. And if you are charged with ESD, you can definitely zap that product. So you want to make sure that that product has basically designed well against and protected against ESD. And some of the advantages of that kind of a human body model is that basically creates and represents real world scenario of involving human beings, you know, touching these electronics, electronic products, right? And Mm -hmm. this type of testing is widely accepted in the electronics industry worldwide, pretty much. And, and it's relatively straightforward and cheap to execute. So I, I think this is one of the tests that I would definitely recommend at, at the least, at the minimal to, uh, especially consumer electronics. Okay. I like the sound of that. It's effective, but cheap. Nothing yeah. better. Absolutely. Absolutely. The second uh, model is called machine model, sometimes short for MM. Uh, and this one basically simulates how ESD events can happen in manufacturing machinery area, you know, like one machine touches another machine by chance and, and, and maybe discharge some electricity. And the way the basically discharge happens is, as you know, capacitors in, in many machines hold charge. And in some cases, they may actually discharge. And of course, like as we were saying before, a lot of these have been modeled in a way and designed in a way that they're not happening as much anymore, but mm-hmm. still good to know these things as a designer so that you have your chicken and making sure that you have a protective element towards uh, protecting your product and your design towards ESD. Well, some of the advantages of, of this one is that it really mimics and makes it checks your real manufacturing ESD issues. And then compared to human body model, this one has faster discharge time and can identify vulnerabilities in automated production process. So those are some of the good advantages I think that is important. Hmm. Now, the third model is called charge the charged device model or CDM. This is when you're simulating or testing the discharge that occurs when a charged device comes into contact with a grounded object, you know? <laughs> For example, you don't want to be the guy grounded when the lightning hits you. So you're going to be toast in between the mm-hmm. ground and the lightning. One of the advantages of this type of testing is that it represents a fast and efficient way of knowing if ESD actually going to hurt the equipment. And it's highly relevant, relevant, pardon me, to scenarios involving automated handling and packaging process. You know how sometimes packages involve plastics and paper and and humidity and these things actually do cause ESD. And so I think generally speaking, these three types are worldwide known 
And depending on different types of products and different kind of industry, you have different levels of voltages that you need to test for. Hmm. Okay. Just to, just to ask for a second, right? When we are assembling, let's say, electronic devices for our customers at uh, Agilion, uh, contract manufacturing subsidiary, sometimes I see our operators, they're wearing like a little cuff, which is grounding them. So that's part of this prevention of ESD, right? Exactly. So, so yes, most of the assembly line workers have basically, yeah, you called it cough, but what we call it like ESD bracelet that that is basically touching your body and then you plug it onto your desk and your desk mm. is ESD protected and it's plugging into the ground. And, and that's the whole point of that. You want to make sure that if you are charged, then you are grounding yourself and you're discharging against the ground, not against the electronics. Mm -hmm. but, but, but of course, users, they're not going to be plugged into a ground or an earth. So, so that's why we are trying to make sure that the product is designed and tested to be resilient to ESD. Okay. Good. So let's talk a little bit then. We know the sorts of tests that you're suggesting, and that's very, very clear. And but just before we move on from tests, actually, if you're engaging a testing lab in wherever, China, India, could be anywhere, right, in Europe to do testing, and they're going to test for ESD resistance, what would most labs be able to do this pretty easily? Yes, ESD testing actually is not too difficult, too difficult anymore. And the test equipment are not so expensive. I think you can invest anywhere from 10,000 USD to 20,000 USD, depending on hmm. uh, how many different kind of equipment you want, the capability of testing all at the same time. And basically ESD is is tested for two two ways. Uh, one of them is basically a touch test. And so you you take the ESD gun, which is called, and, and you touch it directly to the product, different points. And this is when you know that product comes in direct contact with a charged ESD either a human being or a machinery, right? So that's what you're testing. You're simulating that environment. And in that case, there are different voltages for the industry for different products. You know, maybe some products are not going to experience high voltage. So maybe you you would do, for example, four kilovolts on the touch and eight mm -hmm. kilovolts on the air. So air is another one. Why we do the air is remember that we we discussed when you touch somebody before you even touch somebody, there is like an air gap of maybe one centimeter or two centimeter. The, the charge actually jumps and zaps that other person without even touching. So, yep. so that's 
the simulation. You you do an air touch, basically air test where there's a, a gap, but then you have to do a, a little bit higher voltage. For example, instead of four volt, four kilovolts, in by touching you might do eight kilovolts by by air. And in some other electronic equipment, maybe the requirements are higher because it's going to be touched by way too many people in way too many environments. So you don't want to, you want to basically lower the risk of ESD damage. So in that case, the requirement is higher for the touch voltage. So maybe it will be like eight kilovolt and then the air air voltage will be more like double, you know, six volt. And again, depending on different products, you you could go higher and higher, you know, maybe like uh, airplanes, you know, airspace, the requirements are way high because you're you're dealing with actually direct impact right in the air, you know, with the cloud. Of lightning. Yeah, lightning. That's about as much as you can get, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Right. So, so this is actually connected to the labs then. So it's good that you've talking about the voltage levels for the different electronics, because when we're engaging the lab and we're telling them, okay, we want to do ESD testing, as you've established, this is pretty commonplace for most labs, which is good news for anybody manufacturing electronics, but you're going to be relying on them to have a good idea of the sort of voltage levels they're going to be testing for that's suitable for your electronics i mean you're giving a basis here but if they're able to do the testing they're probably going to know which voltage levels are suitable as well yeah exactly i mean for consumer electronics like i said the most acceptable ones are between four kilowatts and eight kilowatts for right less handled product and then 8 kilovolt and 16 kilovolt for most handled by hand or by human. But then you could go to industrial electronics and then the lab or, for example, medical devices, yeah. like automotive or airspace, the, the level just keeps going up. You know, maybe yeah. like, for example, for automotive, you need, you know, more than 1500 volts. I mean, that, that's huge, right? So, mm. and then in the same way, it starts going different direction for different industries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's clear. That's good. All right. So let's move on then. We know about the testing. You've given insight into the different voltage levels, which is really helpful. We haven't, we've touched on, but we haven't covered a lot, the types of harm or damage that can be caused by ESD. So putting it all into order now, right? We're doing the testing, but this kind of addresses why, why we're doing the testing. So, you know, this is what we don't want for, because of ESD. Yeah. The harm that can come from ESD is huge. Many times, well, if there is a design issue, a serious design issue, you will probably know it very quickly and you'll find out as soon as the ESD test is done. However, hmm. if you don't do ESD testing, then what will happen is that the product will either go through some ESD damage during the production and or during the shipping process, 
and or once it arrives at the customer hands, you'll have huge amount of returns due to EST damages, which cause the device to be dead on arrival, Mm. right? And then you will have massive customer complaints after they used it for a few times. They were in a situation where they were charged and they touched the device. Device went bad, dead, and they have no idea what happened. Oh, I just touched it and I just opened it. I just turned it on and all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's, it's not working anymore. So not testing for ESD. You'd, you'd face huge returns, massive customer dissatisfaction, probably a recall. If it's a very important device, life-saving device, for example, a medical device, you probably mm. need to have a, recall and fix it or else we're looking at lawsuits, massive financial and uh, possibly some, you know, health issues in terms of people getting hurt because of the the product actually maybe catching fire just because of the SD. You never know. Right. So if you test even the minimal for ESD, you're going to be a lot safer than nothing at all. Now, if you don't test it, even at the minimal, you're looking at in some kind of a massive problem to deal with later on after production. Unless you're lucky. But yeah, but so potentially, for yeah. especially for electronics. So the message I'm getting here is that, and we've spoken about different types of testing and product reliability a number of times, especially with yourself, because this is your area of expertise, right? And so what you're saying is that for electronic products, then ESD testing is one of those that is should be really high at the top of your list of priorities to do. Absolutely. The same way that you and I have discussed before, that reliability testing is critical and crucial Yeah. For- Knowing the health of your product in terms of what your goals are for the reliability of your product is just the ESD is just as important in that there are external factors such as static electricity that can damage your product, make it useless, you know, cause in some cases fire because of the shorts and things that can happen. And so it is critical that you do at the minimal, whatever that minimal requirement is for your product, do minimal ESC testing to ensure that you have some kind of preventive or protective system built and that mm-hmm. doesn't cause uh, your product to be disabled as a result of ESD. Right. There you go, folks. That's the takeaway already, but we, we're not finished yet on this topic. And I, it's funny though, but when you're thinking about a product, right? Me as a consumer, if I go buy an electronic device, right? I'm going to buy it, get out of the box, plug it in, charge it and use it. I will never think, could I be the, the cause of my product dying if I just touch it and then there's a shock and then it shorts it out and the product's dead? Yeah. Consumers don't think like that. So we're taking that out of their hands. Yeah, it could be. But again, I I think that I would leave the blame on the 
design of the product that mm. is protected by ESD. Uh, of course, you know, if, if you did something unusual that caused a massive out of ordinary ESD, for, for example, <laughs> you put your product on top of the umbrella in a rainy day, <laughs> mm. um, you know, but, but in general, in today's world, I think most people don't do anything crazy. And, and, you know, I'm, we're, we're not, we're not talking about some outrageously unusual use cases, but we're talking about in the day to day, you know, use cases. Most people who cause damage as a result of ESD should not be liable for the damage of that product. No, no, absolutely. But unwittingly, it might, they might be a cause of it. Although I do like the point that you're making. You know, if somebody, let's say you're walking on your synthetic carpet and you're sitting on your synthetic couch and you're sort of, I don't know, you've been rolling around on the floor playing with the dog. So you build up this static charge in your own home and then you go touch your electronic device and bang, it's, you know, it's been damaged because of the ESD. What you're saying is you would be saying, well, has this device been designed to be resilient enough? Should we be looking at the product design and going back to that? And I think that's a really good point. I mean, in, in today's home, there are ways that you can, as a consumer, unwittingly, you know, produce an ESD charge, a static charge. Sometimes if you just sit next to somebody on the metro, like you said, you might have a, a zap, you know. So these do happen, but I do like that that we're thinking more about the design. Why Why is the device not resilient to begin with? And that brings me on to the next point, which is, you know, how to prevent the effects of ESD. We're not going to prevent ESD itself. That is a, you know, a static charge that can be caused by anything, even lightning, like you say, right? But we can, there are like tips and strategies for actually preventing it from damaging the product, right? Yeah, and and I and I want to kind of go back on what you just said in terms of causes of the ESD. Yes, you're right. Okay. Human body contact. You know, people exactly what you said. You know, you sit next to someone in the subway, and and all of a sudden you get discharged. You never know where it's coming from, but yes, that is the case we're talking about when you're actually building up the charge. You don't know about it. And then all of a sudden you start touching electronics. Sometimes it comes from friction, rubbing two materials mm -hmm. together, you know, and, and one case is basically your shoes rubbing against a certain kind of a carpet. And then of course, inadequate handling procedures, you know, for example, in manufacturing environment, you know, if you are not wearing ESD protected suits, or wristband is what we call ESD wristband. Or if you don't have ESD protected mats, these are the the blue mats that usually when you walk into the a manufacturing area, you have these things that you have to actually touch. And not only it takes away the the dust from your shoes, but also it's ESD protective. And then you go and get onto ESD zapping machine which actually discharges you and gives you green light yeah now you can go ahead and move along the manufacturing area so and then of course we're talking about manufacturing floor we'll we'll, we'll talk touch base a little bit more detail in in later on if we have time but mm -hmm. we're talking about 
assembly lines, assembly workers, all wearing wristbands, ESD, protected wristband, ESD, protected little suits or clothing. I don't know what do we call those these days. So basically coats and jackets, uh, hats, all of these are related and con- conductive for ESD. And then you- They wear uh, rubber sandals as well. Correct. And then all of that is connected to ESD protected desktops, all these uh, chairs and tables uh, that are all grounded. Mm. In fact, the entire manufacturing floor is ESD conductive. You, you know, it's product basically grounded. I know you've seen those floors being either blue or green. It's a special material that actually uh, make sure that everyone is grounded in that on that floor, so you don't your, your charger with you, and, and then you know you touch a, a product during the manufacturing. So so yeah, and then there's another element that happens, and and I think we touched on that just briefly, and that is the transportation during the transportation transportation of the product uh, when they wrap the product into plastic. If you remember how. You know, those pallets are wrapped with plastic. That's actually cause an ESD and you don't realize it. And, mm. and then they put that next to another pallet with plastic and then they, they try to minimize the space in between. Well, during the transportation, these are rubbing each other and, and causing huge static electricity that, you know, if your product inside those boxes are not grounded and not protected, you could have some issues and then you'll have a lot of debt on arrival. Good point. Yeah. Those are those are good points actually because when we are looking at our manufacturer, let's say you're going to outsource the production of your electronics, right? You want to make sure that your manufacturer is well set up to try to prevent issues on the manufacturing side. That there there's always, you know, there's always kind of two ways, isn't there? There's the design, there's potential problems with product design, but then you've got manufacturing issues, which could come down to the environment and the processes. And those are kind of even worse because if you've gone through all of the design process and the development process and the product is, you know, as perfect as it, it's going to get, but then you get let down by the factory, that's, you know, that's really bad. So these things, I suppose, when we are auditing and assessing our manufacturer, you want to make sure that they've got these preventative methods in place. Yeah, preventive methodologies or methods are are totally totally important. Mm. And for example, in in manufacturing area, we're talking about, for example, and not just only manufacturing, but also like during the development and and design, you got teams that have their own engineering labs and so forth. So you want to have anti-static mats or anti-static materials that basically anti-static workstations and static packaging, you know. So you want to make sure all of these are taken into account when you're building a lab, for example. Yeah. Um, then proper grounding techniques. We talked about, for example, personal grounding like wristbands and connected to workstation grounding and and even equipment grounding. I, I'm glad I remembered that. You know, that's when you got an equipment that is actually testing your product and boy, imagine imagine if it's not grounded and you just touched it to PCB. 
your board is toast or your chip in, in the board, chip on board is toast. So it could yeah. happen. And, and believe me, a lot of the design engineers have a lot of stories to talk about. Then of course, uh, we're talking about ESD protective equipment. That's like personal protective equipment. We're talking about the jackets and they call it anti-static smocks in the labs or in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, by the assembly market. That's the word I was looking for smocks because basically, you know, these are special clothing that actually conduct static electricity. And then once you uh, connect it and to the ground wrist strap, you know, they eliminate it by grounding and then. Then you also need to have ESD safe tools. This could be any kind of tools that uh, you need to use in, in the production environment. You, you need to make sure these tools uh, are not carrying any kind of a charge. Uh, maybe they have, I don't know, plastic handle or maybe they don't, but either way, you want to make sure that they're not carrying a charge. And the most important thing is training your teams. They, you know, in the production environment, of course, trading is is a must. So everyone must go through the proper training of understanding that, okay, you must wear this smog in this area. You must have a wristband. You must connect your wristband to the workstation. You must have, you know, Attest and discharge yourself before you go to your workstation. All of these need to be ingrained into the production environment. People who work in those workstations, they really, really need to understand this is the only way. You can't shortcut and, you know, oh, I was in a hurry and I didn't discharge myself. No, it's not acceptable. It can really cause mayhem in the, in the, you know, in the product. Of course, the two, two, two other items that I think it's worth talking about in terms of prevention. One is humidity control. Mm-hmm. You know, when a- average humidity is what, like 50%, I think something like yeah. that. Right. And that's okay. And that's good. But what if the humidity went down and you have less than 30% humidity? Then you're looking at dry air and dry conditions where it can actually cause more static electricity. So you want to make sure you have normal environments and humidities being monitored and controlled. And then the most important thing in, let's say, manufacturing environment is to have well, it, as part of the quality, right? You need to have continuous improvement process in place that you're, you're doing regular audits and assessment of the manufacturing floor and people and teams and the processes. And you want to make sure that these audits always catch if there is any, anything that is basically not or anything in any bond that is not following the ESD preventive measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've looked at kind of like external ways to prevent ESD and that's really helpful. I mentioned earlier on about 
designing the products because you you mentioned design actually so maybe we can talk a little bit about product design to prevent the ESD effects yeah i i think that one of the things that probably need to be done at early stages of the design is just to have a real quick ESD done on on the first prototype of course you want to make sure all your components are resistant to ESD you need to understand what is the ESD level requirement for your product for example there's a big difference right between an airplane which is not a consumer product and then your iPhone of course your iPhone is going to see huge ESD you're touching it all the time but it's nowhere near ESD voltages coming from thunderstorm, for example, on an airplane, right? So you need to design your product for that environment. And then you need to test it for that environment. And mm-hmm. that means that you need to know, for example, when it comes to compliance, what standard applies to your product in terms of ESD compliance. Is it ISO? Is it EN? You know, depending on what, what countries you're going to sell, for example, you want to make sure that your product is going to meet the ESD requirements for that. If there is any ESD requirement, sometimes ESD is kind of, you know, added into the UL safety. So you need to kind of be aware of all this. And as a design manager, you need to basically teach your team to be aware designing a product that is going to be safe and ESD resistant. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So add it to the list, but for electronics, I mean, that does make perfect sense. Absolutely. Okay. So we've pretty much gone from the origins of ESD and natural and unnatural, I suppose, things that could occur, you know, from you just going around in your home or even in the factory through to the types of ESD testing that you might want to do. And the good news is, as you said, they're pretty affordable and very effective if you are bringing electronic products to the market. And, you know, damage that can be caused by ESD and importantly, how we prevent it. But if we just wrap up then, and and then I think we're good because that's been a really good overview, Andrew. Yeah, I think just uh, as a wrap up, I, I would say for you know, most most experienced design engineers and manufacturing leaders, they know what is required when it comes to ESD. But mm. just in case, you know, if someone forgot about it, I would say during the, the design and development phase, make sure you have all your workstation and test station engineering labs are all ESD protected. And make sure when you are designing your product, you look at the data sheet and see whether there is an ESD requirement, ESD protection requirement. For example, you need to actually design a certain kind of a electronic circuitry to protect your IC or your design from ESD. So you need to be aware of that as a designer. Then you need to definitely test it. You know, a quick test doesn't cost much. When your prototype is ready for reliability testing, you can also do maybe at the end, after mm. you've gotten all your design data, 
including reliability data, then you can probably do uh, two more tests real quick. They call it compliance screening test and also ESD test. These two, along with reliability testing, will bring out and detect all kinds of issues that you could have as a result of reliability, quality, ESD, and compliance. You need to cover all of these during your uh, design and development phase. And when once you go to your production, you need to make sure your manufacturing is ISO 9000 compliant, which also includes ESD protection. And that really covers a whole bunch of areas, including ESD protected mats, ESD testing, ESD wristbands, ESD workstation, desktops, everything, machinery, equipment. So, and then once your product is fully produced, at least maybe at early stages, you want to run one more time all of these tests. Maybe you want to ongoing reliability testing just to see if production didn't cause any harm as a result of ESD and or other. So that's why you do ORT, ongoing reliability testing. Then you could also send one of those devices to run full ESD based on your ESD requirements. And then you could even, you know, if, if the compliance hasn't done yet, that hasn't been done yet, mm. you could do it at that stage, basically right at the start of the production when everything goes well, then you do one more blind test. If you can do these harmonically, then most likely you'll avoid a lot of uh, customer issues, field return issues, and financial disparity. Yeah, that's absolutely what we want to avoid. And all of the types of testing that you talk about, reliability testing, ESD testing, fundamentally, we want to make sure that those products aren't coming back. And that does remind me, you've already written some really good blog posts about this, about product returns and avoiding them on Agilion. So I'll definitely share the links to those in the show notes and any others that are relevant here. So to everybody listening, ESD and ESD testing is a must if you're bringing uh, electronic products to market. And uh, I think that's the big takeaway from you today, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thank you and Adrian for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. We will be back next week as normal so keep it locked and tune in then thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the sophie's group we're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in asia including inspections auditing new product development support contract manufacturing 3pl warehousing and fulfillment and much much more across asia's key manufacturing areas Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.